an awesome time in the Lord. So why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, the life of God dwells in me. And the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. If you believe that, you can be seated. Once again, good morning. Welcome. We're so glad that you are here. We had a tremendous uh, first service. I have just a couple of announcements that I, I, I want to let you know about, remind you of. 8 o'clock, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, uh, we are here having corporate prayer, and so invite you to come. Um, uh, we've been praying for some time now, but uh, picking up momentum, God is doing things in the earth. We see that. Uh, you can look through social media, see that things are going on all over. Uh, things are going on right here, and we're just continuing to uh, pray and, and believe God and have uh, those times with Him, so 8 o'clock. Then I want to uh, just remind you, uh, make sure to mark out on your calendar special meeting. It's a Wednesday night meeting, uh, May the 17th. Jesse Duplantis will be with us uh, on the 17th, so praise the Lord. M mark your calendars. Uh, you don't want to miss that, And uh, but um, this morning, praise the Lord, we're blessed and we're honored, and uh, tomorrow, tonight, tomorrow night, as Pastor Tasha said, uh, we've been praying into these meetings. We are uh, looking forward to and certainly have uh, realized things that God is doing in our midst. I want you to turn your expectors way up. We were just coming out of the office, and, and this just stirred up in, in my heart. You know, uh, Acts chapter 10, uh, when Peter was, he had a vision. God gave him a vision uh, to go to the Gentiles, and, and he went to Cornelius' house there and, and began to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says, it says, while he was yet speaking, the Holy Spirit fell. While he was yet speaking, the Holy Spirit fell. And so I just want you to have your expectancy so on God. Because there's things that are going to be said, and the Holy Spirit's just going to accompany what, what is being said right there. And there's going to be things happen while things are being said, and there'll be things that just happen by manifestation. But don't just think, well, here we're going to have this and this in a certain way, because while he was yet speaking, the Holy Spirit fell. Amen. And so we're just so blessed and honored and privileged to have uh, Jim and Aaron Hockaday with us, and they minister all over the world, uh, really specializing in healings and miracles. And how many of you are expecting? Praise the Lord. Healing, miracles, signs and wonders. But as I said in the first service, Jesus gave gifts unto men, gave gifts unto the church to equip the saints for work of ministry. So I believe not only are you going to receive something if you need, have a need uh, in your own physical body, but you are going to be instructed and equipped concerning this ministry so as you go out where your sphere of influence is, that there will be equipping for you to operate as saints in the day that we live in. Amen? So open up your hearts, put your hands together, give a warm Glenwood Springs welcome to Brother Jim Hockaday as he comes. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. How many are thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Amen. I am too. Amen. We uh, have really enjoyed the state of Colorado. My wife and I moved to Castle Rock 
back in 2018, so it'll be almost five years come this June. And uh, we're just really enjoying ourselves here. I, I trust you enjoy this state too, right? Uh, the beauty's pretty amazing, and uh, the weather's awesome. Uh, people don't have any idea when you go other places where it's frigid cold that it could be 30 degrees and you walk out pretty much like this and your, your normal attire or, or what you put on all winter long is like a vest. That's kind of hard to, to conceptualize. I was born and raised upstate New York near Niagara Falls on the Niagara River and, uh, and that's not what you wore all winter long. You had parkas on and uh, the, it would still go right through you. So uh, it's so really, really nice to be in this state. We really love it. This is my wife, Erin. And it's so fun to have her with me. She adds so much to our time of ministry. She's really learned how to release the anointing of God and uh, just be tangibly filled with God's presence. So, you know, the scripture your pastor just got through reading uh, is, is a great scripture. While he yet spake, the Holy Ghost fell. To me, that is Christianity. See, there has to be something different on this side of the cross than what they had on the other side. Right? See, individuals on the other side, in other words, under the old covenant, individuals didn't have the opportunity of a close contact, a tangible contact with God, a relationship. God would use prophet, priest, kings. He'd raise up somebody special as a judge and use them, but they weren't born again. The people had to have a mediator. But our mediator is Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful? So that means 24-7, He's living in us for the purpose of actually doing something through us. Amen. Not only a blessing to us, ourselves, but then the greatest blessing would be to take what we have experienced and then release that uh, unto someone else. Amen. So it's a wonderful thing, not only to become aware of God, but then to become proficient in releasing the presence of God. You know, it's very interesting. God made these human bodies so perfect. Come on. He breathed Adam into a body. Adam wasn't the body. Adam was the spirit. And he breathed Adam into the body. Now, if he'd have made that body too porous, he would have breathed Adam in and Adam would have slid right on through and he would have said, that didn't stick. If he would have made him non-porous, you know, completely like Tupperware, he'd have breathed Adam into that body. He would have bounced right off and said, well, that didn't work either. But he made him perfect the first time, porous enough to breathe him into that body, and yet that body was able to retain the presence of spirit, so that as Adam began to move, the body moved with him. You know, Jesus never complained about the body. He didn't say, you know, I could have done a whole lot better if it weren't for this body. Because God made that body, your body, to be the house where God lives and the glory dwells so perfectly that it can be received and at the same time revealed I mean, you go outside and you get too much sun. We've already learned. In Colorado, you don't stay out for an hour in the sun directly beating on you or you'll get fried. It's more intensive. It's a lot more hot, right? 
Have you ever got that sunburn where you just went home at night, man, you were just like your whole body was so hot because the sun burned on the skin but actually got into the skin and later began to radiate out of your skin a heat and a presence. Hmm. God is so ingenious, is he not? That he could make your body so perfect that Moses could get in the presence of God for 80 days and come down the mountain glowing like a little glowworm glimmer glimmer, if you remember the old song. And everybody's afraid, like, what is that? It's Moses. Oh, my gosh, look at him. He's glowing, right? Moses received presence, and then his face began to reveal presence. Wow, there's something in you this morning. Maybe you know it's there. Maybe you don't know it's there. But it's my job to help you to know and become aware because what you're aware of, you can participate with. Years ago, you know, you learn so many things. You know, you're so dumb when you first get married. And then, of course, you know, when you're, when, when you're married to someone that's very exact like my wife is, you know, everything's just got to be right. I think on my feet, you know. She thinks way before she has to use her feet, you know. So <laughs> she came to me one day and she said, hey, would you mind going to the store to get me a few items for you know, for our meal. And, and how in the world would I ever turn that down? Because I got married a little bit later when I was 29 years old. And um, so my cooking was horrible. So the fact that she could make something taste really good, it's like, yes, of course I'll go to the store for you. What do you want me to get you? And then she had a list. Well, that offended me. I said, you only have five things on that list. Do you not think that I can remember five things? I said, I don't need your list. I got, I, I got it. I got it. I'll be right back. What are you laughing at? Do you think you know where this is going? And so I got in my car and I made a little ditty. Number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. Why are you laughing? And somebody cut in front of me. And as a New Yorker, I could not resist the opportunity to honk my horn in such a way to let him know, go back to bed and start all over. You ought not to be on the road. When you come from New York, you have different sounds of your horn. You may not think that here, but I know how to make that horn say things. And so I did just that. And then I went back to my little ditty, number one, number two. Number four, number, wait, number one, number two, number four. Where in the world did number three and five go? That guy took it. I knew he took it. So I went to the store, and all I had is number one, number two, and number four, and I thought, what would she be making? I know. And so I got number three and number five. And I went home, and I said, here's your stuff. And I started walking out. She said, what's this? I said, it's number three. She said, what's this? It's number five. And then guess what she did? She brought the list to me. She said, it is not. What did you do? Did you forget? What you don't remember, you're not going to be a good doer of. And if you don't remember, if you're not aware of the glory, you'll live out of you. Ugh. We already know what we can do, and we already know what we can't do. 
We don't want to live out of us. I love one translation. It's called the distilled translation, Galatians chapter 2.20. Paul said this. He said, I've died, and now I'm enjoying my second existence, which is simply Jesus using my body. Come on, somebody. That is good right there. Jesus used him. He, he, he removed himself so much so that he reckoned himself to be dead. He considered himself to be literally dead. Paul's not living in here anymore. Jesus is using my body. He's living in here. When you become conscious of him and you become aware of him, then you get to use him instead of using you. He always works a whole lot better than we do. Can you say amen to that? We've got a few little items back out on the table there. One of them is called Identity Crisis. And in the day that we're living, in fact, I was in an airport. It was in Idaho. And I came out of the men's room. At the same time, a lady came out of the ladies' room. And something walked past us into the ladies' room. And she went, oh. And I said, she looked at me and I said, I, 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 don't, I do not know. And we both just walked away. But now let me tell you something. If my daughter was in that ladies' room, I'd have grabbed her and said, you get in there right now and you find out what's in there. Because my daughter's in there. Oh, brother, you shouldn't be so... <laughs> Somebody ought to call a spade a spade in the day we live. I mean, God made two sexes, amen? And it's really not hard to figure out which one is which one. But we're struggling with that today, and identity crisis comes out at a really good time to find out who you are in him. Praise the Lord. Hey, you really need to enjoy this. This is the best it gets right here. I don't know what else you're looking for, but some of you are like, I don't know. Living the Miraculous, this is a really good book. This is about when I was hired by, well, we both travel with Kenneth Hagin in the Crusades as a part of the Ramus Singers and Band years ago. And then uh, when we were done, after about seven years of that, uh, Brother Hagen asked me to do the prayer and healing center there at the ministry. So I was over that for 10 years. And uh, our first three months, it was a hospice home. I mean, everybody we prayed for pretty much died. We had four miracles that took place. We had no idea how they happened. So you can't duplicate something you don't understand. What would you do? Well, I only had two options, quit or figure it out. I'll say that again. I only had two options, quit or figure it out. So I told the Lord, I said, I'm going to go do something else unless you show me what to do. And I take the responsibility. It's not their fault. It's not your fault. It's my fault. If you can change me, we can change healing school. And all of a sudden, I didn't know that that was a good prayer, but that was a great prayer. Why? Because it was a prayer of humility. And God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Lord, show me something, but I really know everything myself. No, that's not going to get answered. And immediately he began to show me things, and the things he began to show me, we put in this book, and healing school like a bomb just took off. All of a sudden, one week, I mean, miracles started happening, half of them without me even touching people. Tumors disappearing, people's legs being healed, eyes opening up, ear popping and open. Things happening right in the, in the service. And we were so shocked on one hand, in one sense, because we hadn't seen it like that. We were so happy to just be in the flow. And then the usher came to me and said, I've seen more happen in this one week than I have in the last six years put together. And that's what did it to me right there. I thought, if this hasn't been happening before... And what I experienced in the first three months is what it's been? God, I'm so sorry. Let's take this thing over the top. And let's just watch you be who you are 
uh, every single week. And it just was like that all the time. So wonderful things began to happen. Now, as we begin to get into what we're going to talk about today, let me just put it to you like this. If, uh, if you uh, got a new bicycle, let's say, Jonathan, because I really enjoyed all the music there, brother. It's really awesome. Praise the Lord. Let's say Jonathan got a new motorcycle. What would you want? A Honda with Kawasaki? Would you want a Harley? A Yamaha. Do you have one? No, but you'd want a Yamaha. Okay, so Jonathan got a brand new Yamaha motorcycle. And, uh, and, and you happened to see it. Maybe it was out here at the church. And someone said, man, Jonathan, that's an awesome looking. It is a nice bike. What is that? And he began to tell you all about it because he's read the owner's manual from page, front page to back page, back page to front page. He knows everything. On. In fact, he can tell you about how it signals. He can tell you about all the different components in it. He can tell you everything you need to know about that engine. He's read up on it. You say, man, how's that run? He says, well, I actually haven't ridden it yet. How long have you had it? I've had about four months. So somebody yesterday got themselves a brand new cookbook, Betty Crocker's Finest. <laughs> and you got into that, looked through those pages, looked through those recipes, and somebody said, I bet that's a good cookbook. He said, yes, it is. I mean, there's an amazing amount of recipes in there. They're awesome. How long have you had that? Oh, I've had that about a year now. Well, tell me your favorite recipe. Well, it's these enchiladas right here. They're just amazing. Really? What do they taste like? Well, I actually haven't read them yet, but the ingredients are awesome. So what's the actual idea of having Betty Crocker's cookbook? It's to learn how to what? Oh, yeah, cook. What's the idea of having a beautiful Yamaha motorcycle? It is what? It's in the ride. See, we applaud individuals that get into the starting blocks, and they do all these things to get themselves ready. But the real applause isn't in the blocks. The real applause is in how they run and who crosses the finish line. Amen. See, we can talk Scripture to Scripture to Scripture, doctrine to doctrine to doctrine, but when have you used it last? See, if there's nothing working in, in your life, it's not more Scripture that you need. It's just doing something with one that actually registers in your heart. Because everything's about the doing. Everything's about the experience. What did you experience at church today? You ought to be able to say, I experienced this, I experienced this, I experienced this. Well, how was church today? Well, it was good preaching. What did you experience? What did that preaching lead you into? See, in the church world, we've done the same thing we've done in the education world. People go to higher university and come out knowing nothing. Now, they can tell you all about something, but they've never actually done it. You go to a tech school, and, and half of your schooling is actually learning to do something with that wood, with that iron. So you come out being able to build an engine so that you can get a job building engines. Go to university, you come out with knowledge but you can't actually do something with it. People that have intern, uh, internships end up becoming way ahead of the curve because they learn to do something. Now, don't get mad sitting there. Amen. Some of you haven't changed your expression yet. 
But I'm helping you with this because my assumption is you coming to a church building and knowing how good this church is, how much we believe in your pastors, is that you came today because you actually want something of God to take with you that like a tool, you can use it so effectively that you have testimonies in your life of the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. And can God become so real in my life that it begins to affect everything about my life, even the smallest of little things? Like the lady that testified to us as she's learning to invite Jesus to become a part of everything that she does, where she said, I pulled into a drive through restaurant, and the kids ordered so much, I didn't have any money left over to get what I wanted, which was a turtle ice cream sundae. She said, so I said to myself, without telling them, I'll just wait for another day. As I pulled up to the window to pay for the kids' meal, here comes one of the girls with a turtle ice cream sundae, hands it to me and says, here's your ice cream sundae. She said, but I didn't order one. Oh, well, I guess it's our mistake. It's yours if you want it. What does that sound like? That just sounds like God's grace. You say, well, why would that work for her and not work for me? It's because she's connected. Hmm. Have we allowed Christianity to become something that actually has to partake in a building only? So you only become connected when you're here. When someone like Jonathan and the team is up there leading you, then you become connected as you worship the Lord, and you have a sense of God's presence because the moment your heart connects, there He is. Or is it something you just take with you, you stay connected? Like you don't have to unplug, you can actually stay plugged, but that means consciously you become aware that God is with you, and not just with you to pat you on the back while you still go through all the problems of people that actually don't have God in their life at all. God is with you to solve the problems, and your expectation is for the problem to be solved. That's the reason why we learned faith, so that we could put ourselves in a position where you can't go back. That's what A.W. Tozer said years ago. Faith is where you put yourself on purpose in a position where you can't go back. Pseudo-faith is where you have a way out just in case God fails you. Wow, wow, think about that. On purpose, I put myself on an ice, an ice float, and I can't get back to shore. So tally-ho, it's just me and God, which means I go under, I go over. It works, or I die. Oh, wow. Could that be Christianity? See, we love the blood, and we love the name but we forgot there's something else in that scripture. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony because they loved not their life unto death. And we're coming back to a day where doctors are going to say, can't do anything about that, can't do anything about that, can't do anything about that. And you're going to have to love not your life unto death. Wow, 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 wow. So see, it's not about just knowing what you have. It's about learning how to do something with what you know you have. Years ago, I was doing these meetings in Tulsa, Oklahoma. 121 people showed up. Nine Mondays in a row, about three hours worth of, of preaching, to train them to become chaplains, to go into a couple of hospitals that opened up their hospitals to us to come as chaplains and pray for people, and we saw some really cool things happen in those hospitals. 
And on the second night, second Monday, nine Mondays in a row, on the second Monday, in walks this tall cowboy. If you know your Wild West history, he looked just like uh, Wild Bill Hickok. Like a spitting image. Hannibal mustache, the goatee, long hair down to here. You know, his, his, his hat that he wore. A spitting image. Now, I knew he was a real deal, and I also knew he wasn't saved. And after I preached, two and a half hours of him sitting there. He comes right up to the front, grabs my hand, shakes, and said, wow, that was really, really good. He said, I mean it. That was really, really good. And he introduced himself to me. We became really good friends. His name was B.J. B.J. Rickard. In fact, his great, 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 great grandpappy was the first livery stable in New Jersey in the United States of America. He worked on horses. And he said, that was so good. I said, why would you come to a meeting like this? I knew he wasn't saved. He said, well, I just want to heal horses the way you heal people. I said, well, you'll do a better job on horses than I do on people. I said, Peep. I said horses don't think. People do. And then I said, would you like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And he kind of looked like this. He goes, no, I just want to heal horses. I said, well, then I'll see you next week. He came that next week, came right up to the front, shook my hand again, said, man, that was so good. That was so good. And I said, now, if you like what you're hearing, it's all borrowed material. So you would really like the guy from whom it comes from. I said, and I'm not asking you this time. I'm telling you, you are going to get saved. So give me your hand, repeat this after me, mean it from your heart, and today you're going to meet Jesus. And I repeated that sinner's prayer. He accepted Christ as his Savior, and for some reason, I was standing on a step a couple steps higher than him, so actually, even though he's a couple inches higher than me, I'm looking down at him. I looked down like this, and I said, it's going to get real spooky from here. He spooked like they said, what do you mean? What do you mean? I said, and then I just walked away. <laughs> that next week, he came in. You're not going to believe what happened. I said, what? He said, well, at the, at the ranch, he said there's a horse with an eighth of an inch hole in its eye, and it's blind bone spurs, and arthritis. He said, I put my arms around that big horse, and I said, God says you're fine now. I said, was there anybody around? He said, oh, yeah. He said, there was a veterinarian around, a bunch of cowboys, cowgirls. I said, what'd they think of what you said? He said, they cussed me out. <laughs> I said, what'd you say to them? He said, I cussed them out. <laughs> I, said, I said, what happened? He said, three days later, the the hole in the eye was completely covered up perfect. The horse could see. The bone spurs were gone. The arthritis was gone. And the horse had brand new enamel on all its teeth. I told that one time in a place, and a preacher literally said, oh, I don't believe that. I thought, you unbelieving thing. You don't even know your history. John Wesley, an itinerant minister, riding his horse from place to place to preach so far back in our history, and all of a sudden his horse came up lame. He laid on that horse and said, God, 
I need you to heal my... Bam! The power hit that horse, and he rode it for another two or three years before he had to get, find himself another one. And besides that, it's documented at OSU Medical Center. In the horse world, that kind of news goes fast. And the horse, and, and medical center called him up, said, bring that horse. They studied that horse for over eight hours. That little Baptist lady, she was about four foot eleven, came out, pointed her finger in BJ's face and said, I don't know who you think you are trying to play God, but we have no explanation for this horse except it must be an act of God. He looked at her and said, lady, it's a little bit too late for that. The horse is already healed. <laughs> now you say, why, why are you sharing this? It's not about what you have. It's about what you do with what you have. Here's a guy just learning. Just learning. Gone miles past so many people that sits in the pew because he's going to do something with it to help horses. The next week, he comes running up. You're never going to believe what happened. I said, lay it on me. He said I was in the feed store getting, getting you know, feed for my horses. For our ranch. He said, the owner of the store's in the back fulfilling my order. He said, this lady walks in and starts screaming, help me, somebody help me, somebody help me. He said, I'm the only one there. He said, I turned around and said, ma'am, ma'am, calm down. I'll help you. What do you need? She said, it's my cat. I said, what's wrong with your cat? She said, I slammed the door on my cat. I don't think it's doing very good. Can you come look at my cat for me? Well, he said, sure, where's your cat? She said, I put it in the trunk. Well, if you didn't kill it, for crying out loud, it smothered it. She opens the trunk, and it's lying on its side with its tongue hanging out of its mouth. And in good country fashion, B.J. looked at her and said, Man, that cat's as dead as a can of corned beef. I don't exactly know what that means, but... And she said, Well, I'm a Christian. And that didn't set too well with him. You say, how come? Well, I found out later he was a genius. What do you mean? He aced his SATs. He aced his ACTs. He could read 5,000 words per minute with 97% retention. And he was a little bit miffed at the fact that he couldn't get, retain that last 3%. I looked at him straight in the eye and said, that's the, that's the part I take. <laughs> that's how pathetic that is, you know. 97% and you read 5,000 words per minute. As a nine-year-old, he read the Bible in four hours, cover to cover. Government wanted him in a think tank. All he said was, all I want to do is help horses. So when a lady said, I'm a Christian and she's got something dead, that doesn't compute to a genius's mind. Now, Take 90% of Christianity, it computes just fine. Well, you know, I mean, you don't get every prayer answered, you know, and if be I will and all that kind of stuff. See, we, we make mixture out of all that, mumble jumble. And then we think, well, it's only a cat anyhow. I mean, I'm a dog lover. <laughs> you can lose a few cats. <laughs> Wasn't really expecting that cat to come alive anyhow. I just thought I'd pray. Kind of little eight-year-old girl, Omaha, Nebraska, heard me preach on who we are in Christ. That next week, in her home, they had a pet rooster named Rocky. Her dad's a farmer. He can't stand the fact that Rocky's in the house. 
rooster ought to be outside doing what roosters do, not living in our house, but it's a pet. And while he's helping to fix dinner and putting plates on the table, didn't, wasn't aware that Rocky was pecking at some crumbs, step back and crunch. Rocky's dead. Snapped at neck, just like that. Now, on the inside, he's thinking, yes, we're finally going to get rid of Rocky. But then he still has to take this bird to his daughter and say, I'm so sorry, honey. But he's really not sorry. But I'm so sorry. Rocky's dead. He took it to his daughter, and his daughter looks him in the face and says, Dad, did you not hear what Jim Hockaday talked about? Who we are in Christ? He's living on the inside of us. Do something about Rocky. Well, his eyes are big as saucers. He ain't planning on doing anything about Rocky. He, he's not thinking that anything's going to happen if he tried to do something anyhow. So he just said, here, you pray, and I'll support your prayer. She said, Rocky, come alive. Rocky comes alive. <laughs> now he's ticked because that same rooster's in his house again. The next, next year I came and said, hey, how's Rocky? He said, actually, the weasel got him. So that would take a creative miracle because there were only just parts left. You know what I mean? So anyhow, let's move on. I said that to say that some people would say, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. Really, a horse came alive? Yeah, yeah, that horse is perfect. So now here's this cat. says, I'm a Christian. And he can't figure out how a Christian could have a dead cat. And he said, so what? She said, well, I prayed. Now it's worse. I'm a Christian who has a relationship with God. I actually entreated him with the favor of doing something about my cat, but the cat's actually the same way that it was the moment that I prayed. So see, to him, she must be in the way because the cat can't be the problem. It's dead. And God can raise the dead, so obviously he's not the problem. So the one that's the problem is the woman. Now, this is three weeks being saved, and he's figuring this out already. He looked her in the face and said, here's the deal. That's the ugliest cat I've ever seen, so I'm not praying for your cat. He said, but I will pray for you. And he put his hand on her shoulder and prayed the greatest prayer I've ever heard. He said, God, please, please, open her eyes just enough so she can believe just a little. Listen to the next part. And then you can be God. Meaning she's in the way so God can't be the God that he is. But if her eyes open just, a little, just enough, she'll believe just a little. Did you need anything in your physical body today? That's really good because the presence of God's on you. If you did need some, you would have gotten it. But if you didn't need any, you can take some of this. And you can give it away when you see somebody that needs some of it. He prayed that little prayer, and she cried out in response and said, Oh, God, I do believe. Meow. The cat sat up. She said, Oh, my God, this is a miracle. To which he said, No, ma'am, that's not a miracle. To which she said, Oh, yes, it is. My cat was dead. This is a miracle. To which he said, no, that's not a miracle. 
She said, well, if it isn't, what is a miracle? To which he accurately said, the miracle here is that you being a Christian all these years, today you finally believed God. Four days later, she called him hysterical. DJ, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. I just came from the vet. He said, well, tell me what happened at the vet. Well, the vet scanned the cat. It was a cat scan. <laughs> what are you laughing at? It was a cat scan. It was a cat scan. And he said, I've never seen anything like this. Whatever put this cranium, your skull, this cat back together, I have no idea what it is. And he said, let's scan the rest of your cat. And as he did, got down into the stomach area, big old saucer tears welled up and started dropping off his cheeks. She said, Doc, what's wrong? He said, well, I spayed your cat years ago. All the female organs are back in. Your cat can have kittens. BJ quickly said, ma'am, I'll give you the money to get it spayed again. We don't need any more ugly cats in Tulsa. <laughs> turn, turn your Bibles here real quickly. Just share a couple of thoughts, and then we'll minister to some, some folks. Come on tonight. There's no reason for us not to just see all kinds of healings in this room. Amen. I'm real conscious there's someone in this room right here today that you need a new heart. And God's going to touch you and the power of God will go into that heart. Angels are in this room. Angels are in this room. See, it's what you're not conscious of that limits what God can do. Psalm 78 says, They limited the Holy One of Israel, for they did not remember the things that He had done meaning remembering and being aware then allows him, almost like an invitation, to continue to be God. Like God's never changed. So any miraculous and wonderful thing that's ever happened is still available for us today. I mean, I'm sure on one hand, God kind of go, is going like this. It could have had a V8, kind of, because he seemed to have a little bit more movement by being in a box than he does by being in humanity. I mean, talk to Obed-Edom about that. He was a scoundrel of a man, you know. And David's bringing back the Ark of the Covenant, and of course Uzzah reaches up to stabilize the Ark as the oxen stumbled in some type of a rut. And then Uzzah dies like that, and David gets ticked off and says, man, God, what in the world are you doing? Which God didn't do anything. It's just that sinfulness touched purity, and something had to give, and it wasn't purity. It was sinfulness. But David took an offense to it and said, all right, God, we're going to stick you over on Obed-Edom's property. And all Obed-Edom did was to receive the box, put it back on the back 40. He didn't worship it. He didn't go out to pray. He didn't lay on top of it like a grave, like he was going to receive something. All he did was receive it on his property. But that was enough for God that was enough of an invitation for God to seep out of the box, into the ground, fertilize the crops. The animals ate of the grass, and it fertilized the animals. The people ate of the animals, and it fertilized the people. And there was a revival of prosperity that happened at Obed-Edom's house until when David heard about it, he said, it's the ark. 
And God thought it would be a better idea to come out of a box and come right into the very heart of man and live in his body. And he would have greater expression. Yet a man can shut God right down like he doesn't even exist if he chooses to not believe. But I walk among believers here this morning. And believers believe. That's just what we do. On your worst day, you're still a believer. Do you know Abraham believed God, which was the verbiage he put into action, his belief. He was never a believer. A believer is the noun The only way you become a believer is by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he changes you from an unbeliever into a believer. And once you are what you are, you can believe at any moment. In this room right now, somebody can believe for pain leaving your shoulder. Amen. That rotator cuff is no longer damaged. You said it's not? It's not. Believe that it's not. The presence is here. See, activating people into the presence is the whole goal. I'm at the house of kind of a dignitary individual, and all of his sons in the faith are there. And he asked me a question because we just had a meeting. I was at his camp meeting. He watched a lady's tumor under her arm. It went down halfway. I said, you won't count to 10 before it disappears right now. Start counting. She got to six and started screaming bloody. Well, I, I'm not going to say bloody murder. That's a bad thing. She started screaming. Oh, she's used to saying that. Anyhow, she started screaming. And the pastor watched that tumor completely disappear right in front of him. So we're at the meeting. Uh, excuse me, at, at the dinner table. And he looks over at me in front of all the sons. And he says, so tell me about uh, Luke chapter 5 with the power being present. Tell me about that power being present. I said, well, that's not necessarily the most important part to that passage. And when I said that, it was like E.F. Hutton. Every fork went down. All the chewing stopped. It was dead silence. Because I guess no one's ever questioned him. I didn't think of it. I was just answering his question. He said, well, I think it is. I said, well, it's not. And he said, well, because he was a little bit dumbfounded as to what to say. He said, well, 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 tell me about what you think about it anyhow. I said, Jesus was a container of that power. And, of course, the power always confirms what's being preached. So you've got two things that are actually constants. If you walk in there as a container of the power and you preach something by which the Lord can confirm, then that power which you, you know, that you contain will flow out of you and be made available for someone's deliverance. I said, but that's not the most important part. He said, well, what do you think it is? I said, the man still be lying there today if Jesus didn't help to connect him to the power. The Bible says Jesus said he saw faith and there's power. But just because there's faith and power doesn't mean you have a miracle until you connect the two together. It's kind of like a chemistry. You've got two different chemicals, but once you put them together, ba-boom, there's an explosion. But when they're separate, they still don't make an effect. 
And he looked at me and said, my God, I've been knowing that. He said, that's wonderful. And you could hear everybody go, oh. It's activation. Jesus had to activate that power. That's what's in this room right now. Presence. How do you know it's in this room? Let me take you to a scripture here. See, if you can see it in the Bible, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you can see it in the Bible, then you can have faith for it. Oh, brother, don't you just go off all these words of knowledge and all these, you know, gifts of the Spirit? No, I never put the gifts of the Spirit out in front of who I am in Christ. Excuse me, what did you just say? I never put the gifts of the Spirit in front of who I am in Christ. You say, why? Because I don't need the gifts of the Spirit. Unless I need them. You say, what do you mean? Did he make us incomplete in Christ? Do we not have the anointed one and his anointing abiding in us? What's the great mystery of the church? Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Well, what's he in there for? Just to hitchhike a ride? No, he's in there to make you just like him. And then the hope of glory isn't I'm hoping for the glory someday. The hope of glory is he brings his glory with him so now you can become what? The distributor of that glory. The caretaker of the anointing. Whose anointing? His anointing. People say, brother, I want your anointing. But you have Jesus' anointing. This isn't Elijah and Elisha. People didn't have it then. So you, by association, had to get around somebody in order to get something you didn't have. Today, we all have Christ in you and His glory. Now, if you want to learn how to function in that glory in certain different ways that you're not functioning, then by association, get around somebody that's actually using it in a particular way, and that'll get off on you. But that's no different from tomato, tomato. What do you mean? Well, you go places in the country and they say things different than you say things different. And after a while, you'll start saying things like them. Hey, y'all. And I was in this one place and this lady said, hey, y'all, y'all. I said, time out. You get one of those, not two. Can't put them back together. She said, well, I'm from Tennessee. I don't care where you're from. I said, use one at a time. And I was just giving her a hard time. And she, she ended up really laughing about it. But it was hysterical. Hey, y'all, y'all. I said, no, one, one is all I can handle. I'm a, I'm a New Yorker. One of my redneck friends from Arkansas said, you listening in Yankee, I'm talking fat, back, and collard green. I told him, I said, you can drive backwards into your pickup truck faster than I can go forward in my car. We always just hammering each other, you know, making, making light. I remember getting ready to pray for some lady in Rhode Island. I said, what do you need? And people are getting healed. She said, what do you need? She said, I'm hot. I said, you're hot? Nah. She goes, nah, my hot. I said, you're hot. And then I thought, Lord, she's about that age where she's probably getting hot. <laughs> I said, can we, can we get this healed? And I said, so you're hot. 
She said, nah, my heart. I said, you're not trying to say heart, are you? She said, yeah, my heart. I said, you can't take the R out of the king's English and expect God to heal you. I said, put it back right now or I'm not praying for you. I said, say it with me, heart. She goes, heart. Okay, I'll pray for you. We're right at that time already. Time goes by fast, doesn't it? Let's look at another verse of Scripture, even though we didn't look at the one I told you to. <laughs> Luke chapter 9, verse 29. <laughs> Luke chapter 9. I'll just give you this little bit right here. <laughs> these, these are the cliff notes. Folks, do you know this? This is, this, is, this is really, really important. Jesus said to his 12 disciples, preach the kingdom is here and heal the sick. He said to the 70 disciples of whom we don't even have their names, heal the sick and then preach the kingdom is here. He reversed the order. What made him reverse the order? The 12 were high profile. Everybody knew them. Even when Peter, remember, when he forsook the Lord, that little slave girl said, aren't you one of the See, they'd seen him helping Jesus. The 70, we don't even have their names. No one knew them. So what did Jesus tell them to do? Well, most likely, if they stood up to preach, people say, who in the world are you? So what did he want them to do first? I'm getting you healed right now. And all of a sudden, a healing took place, another healing took place, another healing took place. And people are like, oh, my gosh, whatever you have to say, share it with us. We want to know more about this. Mm. To most of the people you meet, you are unknown. Probably, for some, if you said, I'm from a church downtown, that might even cause them to say, well, then I don't want anything to do with it. Today, that's what it's like. Years ago, when I was young, you could, you could talk to any reprobate on the street and tell them that you just love Jesus, wanted to tell them just a few scriptures, and they would listen just out of respect. Today, they'll give you the universal sign that says, bug off. Are you with me? So what do you need to know? You need to be able to heal them first before you have a right to tell them. can't heal somebody if you don't know you have the stuff that makes it work. Real quick as we're closing. Look right here. Luke chapter 9, verse 29. Passion translation. As he prayed, his face began to glow until a blinding glory streamed from him. A radiant glory illuminated his entire body. His brightness became so intense that it made his clothes blinding white as multiple flashes of lightning. I did prayer and healing school back in the day for 10 years. It was at prayer schools at 1 o'clock. Healing schools at 2.15. Most classes got out at 12 o'clock or some days they got out at 11.30. Kids would have lunch. Students would have lunch. Then they'd come over to prayer school. Well, on this one particular day, I put the microphone on, and it was a little tiny pack that was attached to a cord. This is before we had cordless. 
So you were attached to the wall. And, you, you know, you'd walk someplace, you'd have to take that cord and throw that cord, or you could trip in that cord. I've got stories. <laughs> so anyhow, I'm preaching, and all of a sudden I'm preaching, I'm, so, I'm thinking, whoo, man, the glory is here. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm preaching a little bit more, and all of a sudden this time I was like, that is not the glory. That is not the glory. And I grabbed that battery pack and pulled it off, and here are two little wires sticking out there drilling my backside. Come to find out, in the lab, lab, what do you mean lab? Well, we would have lab services or, or classes where there'd be a moderator, the teacher, and, and let's just say this whole room was filled of prospective students uh, or, or preachers in the area of missionary or pastor or evangelist. Well, it was the evangelist lab, and you'd have 12 minutes to preach. Well, come to find out, this one evangelist got up, and in his 12 minutes to preach, he got so excited, he took off running, and forgot he was attached. Ripped that whole thing apart. They just stuck it back together with two little guys sticking out. So when it talks about there's lightning coming out of Jesus, I understand what lightning <laughs> feels like. It was a power. It was a source. It was real. And it was tangible. Jesus said as they prayed, as he prayed, all this stuff began to surface. Notice the connection. As he interacted with God, glory started to manifest. We're at Keystone. We're skiing. A guy is on, on a, a getting off the lift on a snowboard, which obviously you got your back foot on the board and your front foot still in, right? And he's coming down off the little slope there, uh, off the chairlift, and someone cuts in front of him. He does this, and pow, his, his knee. You could hear it pop. And he's on the ground, and he's cussing a, a, a blue storm, okay? My son-in-law, Paul, he does not care whether you cuss him out or not. He only cares that Jesus is his Lord and this man needs healing. He just immediately gets on his knees and says, God's going to heal you right now. Let me pray for you. No, he's going he's to heal right now. Get away from me. No, God wants to heal. If you're not going to take it, I'm going to pray anyhow. Lord, I just prayed that you heal us. And so there's this commotion going on now. And this guy is on level decibel 10 with his cuss words. And all these kids that are gathered around are part of a Bible study that we're, we're doing. So I thought, well, I better do something. <laughs> so he's sitting all funny like this. And I, I reached out. I got down like this. And I said, hey. And he looked over at me. And I said, you look really, really uncomfortable. I said, I'd like to help you get comfortable. Would that be all right? And everything changed just like that. And he looked at me and said, wow, that'd be so great. Thank you. And he grabbed my hand. But I knew if I grabbed his hand, what I'm connected to was going to go into his body. And so instead of him sitting down, he just popped right up and stood up. And then he looks down at his leg, and he looks at me, and he looks down at his leg. And I just leaned and I said, isn't it kind of freaky that it doesn't hurt? <laughs> and the ski patrol guy comes over and says, are we going to have a report or not? And I looked at him and I said, well, you'll get your report. Just give us a second. And I looked back at him and said, now when you walk with him, walk completely normal because there's not one thing wrong with your knee. And he walked just like anybody else did. Just walk like, why am I even walking over here? Activating, engaging, releasing, recognizing that if I'm 
connected. Something's happening around me. Last story, one last story, real quick, and we'll get you out. I'm in a Hispanic church in San Diego, and I'm at the back. So how come you're at the back? Because these Hispanic people were worshiping God in ways my hips were, were wanting to do what they were doing, <laughs> but I, I knew they could probably not do it, and they were just, woo, and just worshiping God, and I'm back there going, God, like I want that. That's awesome. Look at them worshiping the Lord. They're not even thinking about anybody around them. They're just worshiping you. And when one song to the next, they don't just stand there and wait for the guy to say, okay, let's just sing this song. They just were worshiping in between the break. And I'm thinking, I do not want to go up to the front and miss this because I want that. And in walks the family late. Three kids, mother and father. To the three kids, I just smiled at them. To the mother, I kind of nodded my head. She did so. And the father reached out his hand like this, and I just shook his hand. And they all went like this, and I went back to just watching. And he made about eight steps. He stops, and he turns around, puts his hands on his hips, and he just stares at me. Up and down, up and down. I'm thinking, this is a little weird. And I'd just been to the bathroom, so I'm kind of... And finally, he went away. I thought, good, go away. <laughs> went back to worshiping God, watching them. And all of a sudden, the corner of my eye, they got to their row. And he, instead of going to the row, he stops, and he turns around, and he just puts his eye, he looks at me. And I'm thinking, this guy's got a problem. And I'm thinking, why don't you mind your own business? Because I really don't, you know, I really am not thinking about you. Don't think about me. Go into your little row. Enjoy the service. Finally, he goes into the row. Seconds in the row. He stands up. The chairs move back. And he goes like this to his family. And his kids fall back into their chairs. And here he comes right like this at me. I'm thinking, what gives? We're going to get in the floor right here. The only thought that came to my head was not from the Lord. It was from my dad that said, if you're going to get into a fight, make sure you hit him first. And I'm standing there with the five-fold ministry put together in a fist behind my back thinking, pow, pow, send you to the moon, Alice. And somebody knows what that's from. Jackie Gleason. He walks right up to me. He gets toe-to-toe, face-to-face. And he looks at me and says, what did you do to me? And immediately I knew. I said, why'd you ask? He said, when you shook my hand, something went into me. And he said, it's on me right now. He said, what is it? Tears started dripping from his face. I just looked at him and said, it's just Jesus. It's just God's presence. And it's real. And it won't hurt you. It'll just bless you. Patted him on the back, gave him a hug. He walked back to his seat. I didn't have to be on CNN for being arrested. We have more than we've ever imagined that we have. It's oozing out of us right now. Whose heart in here needs to be healed real quickly? Tonight, we won't just limit it to one or two things. Not, again, not because we're going to keep you forever, but we'll have a little bit more time to just let people get healed one after the other, after the other, after the other. 
If you've got a problem with the heart, come forward right away. This gentleman's coming. Anyone else? Come on up here. Aaron, please come and help me. These people are going to get touched by the Lord right here, right now. Amen. You'll have all kinds of reports of what the Lord has done. How, are, how assured are you that it's going to happen? Remember, you can, have a, you can have an unction from the Holy Ghost. You can have a word of knowledge about this. But the Word of God gives me enough sufficient evidence to prove that the moment I engage in His activity, He is engaged in mine. And if I'll stay engaged or stay plugged in long enough, sooner or later, what He does is going to become real to me. Could God become real? Man, my cowboy friend, three weeks. I'm in a meeting the fourth week, and we actually have a healing meeting, and he's in it. I called him up. I said, you feel it? He said, it's like it, it's literally all over my hands. I said, that's it. I said, just release it into the people. He gets to the first person with a rotor cuff problem in the shoulder, and he says, I don't even have to touch you. He said, I'm just going to wave my hands over your shoulder because this presence is all over. And the person goes, oh, my God, what did you do to me? I have absolutely no pain. He said, well, it's obvious I didn't do anything because I didn't even touch you. It's what Jesus just did for you. He was able to get a hold of that principle so quick, so fast. Dear one, it's time to get your heart healed. Is that okay? Amen. If you don't like it, you're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> Would you put your own hand on your heart so my wife can put her hand on your hand? And the, oh, There he is right there. That's not a prayer. That's a presence. You feel that presence right there? <laughs> Ooh. Do you know he's not just making your heart new? Do you realize you don't have any pains in your hips anymore? Hold that, Aaron. Walk with me. Give me your hand. Walk with me. The pains are gone. Walk normal. Walk normal. Now just go up and down. Walk normal. Let's walk again. How is that? Wonderful. It is wonderful, isn't it? Do you know wonderful has a name? That's it. Would you worship the Lord for a moment? Walk back to your seat. We'll give you, if you want that thing for an ornament, you can have it later. Oh, God just touched you. Fire on that lady. Hmm, hmm, hmm. I saw you. <coughs> I saw you after the Spirit. There'll be a strength that comes to your soul, my brother that will eliminate things even from the past that still try to haunt you and rise up against you and stop your progress. But that's gone today. The hand of the Lord comes and the strength of God out of you will make a soul winner and a miracle worker from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Your best days are ahead of you and you'll have so much fun you'll think it's not right. Is that at all right? Watch her put her hands on you. Jesus fills you. Amen. Come on down here, Aaron. We'll get to you, gentlemen, in a moment, but there's some speed bumps behind you. In the name of the Lord, that's it right there. Be healed. Wow. What did you need? What did you need? A whole makeover. <laughs> a whole makeover. Amen. This ain't a beauty parlor. <laughs> We're going to lay hands on you again. 
Not only did you get it the first time, but you're really going to get it this time. Watch. Jesus. Fill her, Lord, full of your presence this day. Are you ready? It'll be so simple. Take that right there. Take that. Take that. Amen. You look good on the floor. You plan on getting some? Heart, it needs some. Okay? Amen? Now, I perceive, if I'm wrong, you tell me. But are there some things that the other part of the heart can also receive emotionally? Are there some things? Are you ready to be healed in both hearts? Jesus didn't say counsel the brokenhearted. He said heal it. I feel it right there. Jesus, thank you for doing what you just did to her. It's over. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Sir, take this now. That's it. That's it. Take some more of that. That's it. That's your healing right there. Hallelujah. Put your hand in your heart. In the name of Jesus, from the top of the head to the soles of the feet, let your heart beat normal in Jesus' name. Wow. That's really good. Sir, how about you? Something's not right, though? Is that right? Is it all right if I just tap my hands on your chest? Lift your hands and just give him praise. And the, that's it right there. You won't be the same. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, here it comes, brother. That's it right there. That's it right there. Would you stand a little bit to your right? Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, take some of this right there. Far, 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 far. So much further God's taking you than you've been before. Let's move him a little bit to the left. All right? It's okay. He'll t- he'll, he can move and still enjoy the prayer. There you go. Amen. That's, they're married. Praise the Lord. What the Lord was saying is he's moving you far, far, far from where you've ever been. In fact, the whole makeover thing, not in a weird way, but he's remaking things in the way that you see yourself. Amen. Right there in your heart. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You're not planning on going home with nothing, are you? No, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. I think you came to get everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a simple touch to a man that's full of faith, just like you. A man that's full of faith that'll run right through a troop and jump over a wall like the Scriptures say. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And as Superman would say, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotion, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. I'm not trying to be frivolous with this. I'm just saying something happened in you, and I see you taking it and running with it, brother. And that's a little bit more literal than just a thought. Hallelujah. Put your hands on your heart. You had some stomach surgery? Put your hands out just like this. Do you, see, do you see my hands, how red they are, spotty? That's the presence of God. Do you know anything about jumper cables? When one battery's not working, you put jumper cables from one good battery to the bad battery, and it brings a charge. These hands are jumper cables. So, that's it right there. That's it right there. That's it right there. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We better hurry. The clock's ticking, and there's no more anointing left in 30 seconds. Are you sure? Okay. Okay, you ready? Take your glasses off. I'm going to have to thump this out of you, okay? It won't hurt you. It won't hurt you, but I'm going to just, just like that to your forehead, all right? But the moment I do, there it is. Put your hands on it, huh? And that, 
Jesus' name. Amen. That will go right through you. But this afternoon, you'll have a new strength, praise the Lord, and a new heart. Everybody reach your hands. Oh, are there new, other people too? Or were you ladies just helping? Helping? Okay, okay. Hey, reach your hands out here, these, these claws. We believe, just like Acts 19 says, that the... That's it. Sometimes I can't finish what I'm saying. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Disease will disappear. Gross will disappear. Sicknesses and pains will leave. And there's at least one individual that has an addiction, and that devil will come out, and they'll be free as though they've never been bound. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Pastor, if you come. Wow. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All these are just uh, receiving from God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We just want to take this moment. We don't know every single person, but if you're here this morning, Things that he talked about, the stories that he shared, it seemed like just healing, but as he started talking about his cowboy friend, there was just that place to say, it's Jesus. If you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. The Bible says that any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, everything has become new. And now everything is of God. Everything in that life and relinquishing that place unto him as lordship, now everything is of God. And that place that he talked about, that interaction with God, that glory of God shining, it comes from that presence of God in you. And when you say, come into my heart, be Lord of my life, he comes into wash you of all the sin that dominated and had dominion over your life, and He comes in to dominate, to take dominion, give you a brand new life in Him, in that interaction, in that relationship, so that you can really begin to walk in that higher place of that relationship. As He said, you know, in the old covenant, there was not that place of relationship. It's the grace of God. We have that relationship. So if you're here this morning, I wouldn't let... Another day go by. Today is the day of salvation that you begin really to lay aside any dominion that sin has and start that daily interaction with the Lord Jesus Christ through putting your belief in Him. Again, He said, believers believe. And so today you might not be a believer, but as you put your faith in Him, there'll be a transformation. You'll become that believer, that follower of Jesus and that believer that believes and accesses everything that He has paid for and brought into your life. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you say, today's my day. Just raise your hand up. I want to pray with you. Anybody at all? We don't know everyone here, but if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just slip your hand up. We want to pray with you this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Anybody at all? We're just going to wait. Just a few more seconds. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You might say, you know what, I've not been living for God. What I heard today, I just really, I need to rededicate my life to God. I've not been serving Him. Say, today, there's just something going on on the inside of me. I know I need to recommit my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Raise your hand. We want to pray for you. Anybody at all? Just want to take that, see that hand, that hand. 
Thank you, Lord. See that hand. Glory to God. Anybody want to join these? Says today's my day to read.